movie you selected is King Richard, starring Will Smith. Hey everyone, welcome to Roll Call, the show where two childless millennials gush over movies and follow an actor's journey from their early years throughout their blockbuster hits. Because, let's face it, if blockbuster was full of black girl magic, maybe it would be as legendary as the Williams sisters. Oh, totally. You know what would have been really cool is like, if, you know how libraries and bookstores are like updating their like sections to be more inclusive and stuff and having like more varieties of authors and types of stories and stuff if video stores still existed i would love to see like a like black girl magic section or a section that had like films not obviously just like of spike lee nature but just like films made by more diverse directors writers producers that would be so good I wonder if they did. I don't remember, but I will say that I have cable and on demand, like during Black History Month and stuff like that, they'll have like Black excellence or Black films and stuff like that, like at Spotlight. And even for like Hispanic Heritage Month and Asian Pacific Islander Month. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, but nothing's better than physical media to me so seeing it in a store like like oh my god it would be like the store in made in america (laughs) (laughs) but a video store (laughs) (laughs) that would be so good and then two old white ladies get like trapped in the store and they have nothing to watch but they just like watch the entire filmography and then the next day when you open up the video store they're like wow that was amazing we got through all of roots 12 years (laughs) a slave we watched house party and the players club i mean (laughs) malcolm x ollie all these great movies. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about one of Will Smith's very early roles called Made in America, co-starring Whoopi Goldberg, Ted Danson, and Mia Long. So go listen to that episode if you haven't. I mean, I don't know how you skip that. But what's up, everybody? I'm Bria. And, you know, this movie is all about Black excellence. And like I said, Black girl magic. So... Yes, I second that. My name's Simone and kudos to all the tennis players out there. You truly don't get a lot of recognition for your sport. And um, that's for me. (laughs) (laughs) Wink, Um, wink. Are you flirting with me? (laughs) I need to play tennis more before I think that is for me. But I think it is. I mean, it is a hard sport. I think you initially like if you casually watch tennis you're like oh they're just hitting a ball back and forth but there's so much like technique that goes into it and a big thing is mental uh fortitude and uh endurance so those are things to think about I mean, listen, my only experience with tennis besides playing it casually, (laughs) yeah, in middle school PE is Wii Sports. Wii Tennis kicks my ass. It does. And I get mad because I like, I know I'm decent in real life and you're playing in my face. 
Yeah. Like, there's no way I would have swung and missed that ball. <laughs> like, my little me is just not moving. She's fighting for her life. Ass. She's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, in today's <laughs> episode, if you don't know, we're talking about Will Smith and his latest, last listed released i guess i mean this is our last movie episode for a while for will as richard williams in the two two twenty one twenty twenty one biopic and oscar winning role in king richard so let's take a trip back to november of 2021 pop culture some moments that maybe we're so close that we've forgotten. So a mix of stuff from BuzzFeed and Vogue that I felt inclined to talk about. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have their Oprah interview. So memes, that Oprah meme, were you silenced or were you silent or you were silenced? That chef's kiss. Um and all kinds of juicy royal gossip. Shout out The Crown is coming out season five soon. Adele released her album 30, which is crazy because I didn't realize we were like the same age or close in age. Like, mm-hmm. shocker. Uh, <laughs> and can we officially declare Olivia Rodrigo the it girl of 2021 absolutely sour and driver's license and all the things everywhere award shows shout out to her we were all entranced and binging the amazing show squid game I mean I'm pretty sure that was a cultural reset another cultural reset is in the trend of sitcom reunions we got the fresh prince of bel-air reunion in 2020 this time white people rejoice the friends reunion finally happened (laughs) not a fan um and we also got another reunion in the form of a reboot also white women rejoice return of sex in the city with the show and just like that my inner white woman rejoiced i happen to love sex in the city and i did watch in just like that so no shade when i say that but and in other news man i know that i typically like kind of set uh separate segregate do i segregate i kind of do this season segregate pop culture into kind of general pop culture and black pop culture but i'm really whitening it up right now so in 2021 lots of very fair-skinned celebrities and just people on the internet felt the need to admit to how questionable their bathing and hygiene habits were shout out to ashton kutcher and mila kunis for talking about how little they bathe their kids i don't Um, remember that well definitely on the twitter streets black people are having a field day discussions about (laughs) washcloths whether or not a pool is a bath um (laughs) whether or not you actually scrub and wash your legs and feet um all kinds of things so we were learning a lot about our white sisters and brothers um on the internet and they were sharing a lot so i mean leave it to the whites to be like very hippy dippy about it about like you know on one side you can argue like water conservation for part of it but 
it gets to a point where I'm like, you're embarrassing. You're embarrassing. <laughs> just period. Like, you're yeah. just embarrassing. Well, and the big thing about, like, on Twitter and stuff, like, a lot of Black Twitter are like, why are they telling us this? Like, this is unprovoked. Like, nobody, like, who's asking you guys these questions? <laughs> right. Because, like, sometimes there will be a trending question on Twitter or TikTok. Like, like, what's your favorite celebrity interview moment? And people, will, like, post little clips or something. But, like, if you're just sharing that information when nobody asked, I'd fuck around and find out. I mean, if you want to <laughs> leave yourself open to criticism, you're going to get Yes, and that they got. So, forward to that. A good segue into um, my Black pop culture segment is in 2021, two amazing African-American athletes. Well, I don't know if Naomi Osaka considers herself African-American, but two amazing Black girl athletes, or Black women, actually, Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka, both took bold stances on mental health and both stepped away from major sporting events to um, foster that mental health. I don't know what you, to foster their mental health. And that to me was huge. Simone Biles, of course, was during the Olympics and mm -hmm. the Olympics are, you know, historically every four years. And so the lifespan of an Olympic career is short and the opportunity to get there multiple times is sometimes very rare. So the fact that she, you know, qualified, went to the Olympics and was like, I'm not competing in these events because I am not okay enough to do that. Yeah. And Naomi Osaka had a huge year, won some major tennis titles and stepped away from some major tennis tournaments as well because of her mental health. And like I said earlier, tennis is a very, very much a mental game. And I can imagine gymnastics is too. Um, so the mental health aspect of sports very much becoming a huge topic, which segues a bit into my Black pop culture segment because I'm just going to talk about the amazing women this movie also features, which is Venus and Serena. So some fun facts about them in their career. Um, in 1998, Venus <laughs> won her first major, the Australian Open, followed back by her sister in 1999, Serena won her first major, the U.S. Open. And then in 2002, Venus became the first African-American woman to hold the number one ranking in tennis. They went on that same year to alternate between one and two in the world. This was Venus's third stint as number one. And Serena, this is her career high at number two. And then she won Wimbledon and she became number one. And then Serena won her first Grand Slam in 2002, which means that she won the U.S. Open, Wimbledon, the Australian Open, and the French Open in the same, like, circuit year. Um, yes, <laughs> which is not easy to do. So very rarefied air there. And all of her matches for that slam were against Venus. They were in all of those finals for all four of those majors together, which, you know, amazing. Very rare for you to keep going against the same person, especially in women's tennis, mm -hmm. not so much men's. Venus has won a total of 49 singles titles. 
She has won a total of seven Grand Slam titles, again, which means those four major tournaments. And then Serena has won 73 singles titles and 23 Grand Slam titles. God damn, little mama. (laughs) Right? Like, that's (laughs) insane. And I don't think she holds the record. I believe Steffi Graf still does. And that was a big thing before she retired, where she was chasing that, like, record number. But I think it is totally unconceivable that she is not the goat in tennis women's or men's um just winning Uh, (laughs) serena has been ranked number one a total of 316 weeks they have played 25 times against each other with serena winning 14 to 11 of their matches there's crazy numbers about like how many they've won in like finals against in grass, they've played mm-hmm. Wimbledon against each other five times. So if you're a stat nerd, go look that up. And last but not least, they have the two top spots in career prize money for women's tennis. Oh so God. these women are the most profitable women's tennis players ever. And like they, I saw Venus's, it's like $47 million total that she's won playing tennis. And that is not including their sponsorships and endorsements. And Serena's is over 50 million in prize money. So that is strictly from winning tennis tournaments. Yes. And in (laughs) other news, we have movies that came out in November of 2021 with King Richard. A lot of amazing movies. And there's so many because of streaming now. But Mm. here are some that stood out to me that I remember. The Harder They Fall, amazing movie. Eternals, Kristen Stewart in Spencer, the Diana, Princess Diana movie. Mm. The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne, Claire Foy from The Crown is in this. Clifford the Big Red Dog, that (laughs) is movie. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's a childhood uh, staple. The movie Passing, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, a movie ad- adaptation of the book, which is, I still need to read the book, but I did watch the movie. Amazing. The Home Alone remake was 2021. Totally forgot about that. <laughs> I know. I put that in there because <laughs> we're making fake fa- faces if you can't see us. <laughs> The Power of the Dog, which I believe was nominated for many Oscars. Bruised, which is notably Holly Berry's directorial debut. Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is like a reboot of a reboot because they rebooted Ghostbusters with women and they were like, psych, we're going to do something different. And then we have the Disney animated movie that had everybody in a chokehold because we don't talk about Bruno. Encanto. And then the vehicle that was supposed to get Lady Gaga another Oscar, House of Gucci. (laughs) Father, son, and House of Gucci. (laughs) (laughs) I still need to watch that. I wanted to see. But once I heard that, people are like, "Mm." Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't. Like, I didn't watch it either. But that that would be a movie that I'd be down to watch with like girlfriends, cup of wine, maybe a shark coop board. Like you know, you're in for like a good laugh. Charcuterie and Gucci. Oh my god, a shark Gucci board! Stop. I'm sure so many other people have done that, but that's and amazing. it like do it in the shape of yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> of the G's. 
Okay. Well, handing it over, and oh my God, in the name of House of Gucci, the House of Lourage. Farewell. Yes. Roger Ebert. So, what? Oh, and of course, what did this movie make in its budget? Yes. Oh my gosh. First and foremost, those stats are amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it just really goes to show, you know, rising to stardom in the height of um and i got this information from one of the interviews that will smith did of like venus and serena rising to stardom at the same time that like michael jordan's holding all these championships for the chicago bulls right like and now jordan's a household name and so are venus and serena like forever goats of the tennis world forever household names forever role models to all girls who want to play tennis, but especially girls of color. I just think that's so fantastic. King Richard was released November 19th of 2021. So we're almost coming up on its year anniversary. Um, It was produced by Warner Brothers Studios, Star Thrower Entertainment and Westbrook Studios. The budget for this was estimated at $50 million. So not one of the highest budget films that Will Smith has done. but still nothing to laugh at. Opening weekend received $5.4 million. Total gross between US and Canada was $15.1 million. And total gross worldwide only reached to about $39.3 million. Now I say only because it didn't quite meet its budget return. But that doesn't mean that this movie did poorly. No, and I mean, we were still very much in the midst of COVID. I wasn't going to the theaters. Mm -hmm. And it was on HBO Max. So I did watch it at home on HBO Max. I should have pulled up streaming to see, like, how many people might have, like, streamed it within its first week. I didn't look that up. But I can can do that in a little bit by the end of the show. Um, So channeling father son house of little raj um any guesses on what house of little raj um and our writer odie henderson is back for this one yes okay i do like odie and i think he is a man of culture and substance and this movie should get love 40 which i'm saying as in the tennis score so it should get four stars but I'm just going to put all my chips on that. Don't let me down, Odie. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. It's it's good, but it's it was three stars. <clears throat> oh, we didn't is- get a half. I know. I was so surprised by that. I was like, not even a three and a half? Or like I feel a like, four? I feel like we're in the aggravance is still higher than that. It is. And he won an Oscar for this. I feel like we're in the age of humbling people. I feel Mm. like people don't really, like, people who are paid to criticize people (laughs) don't really want to give people too Mm. much. And we kind of talked about this with J-Lo and Hustlers. Um, Like, you already have enough, Will Smith. You're Mr. July, Mr. Box Office, like... You don't need another four-star review. <laughs> like, why? Um, okay. Yeah. 
Well, three stars. Three stars. And here is Odie's reasoning. Uh, King Richard is half sports movie, half biopic. As such, it hits the sweet spots and sour notes of both genres. Depending on your perspective, this is either an invitation or a warning. Fans of the naturally talented tennis superstars Venus and Serena will flock to this origin story when it makes its simultaneous debut in theaters and in HBO Max. But the film's title and the Williams executive producer credits should clue you in on exactly how complicated the characterization of the subject will be and just how far the needle will be spent sent up in the likability gauge it seems that only director bob foss and richard pryor will were willing to risk making the semi-autobiographical cinematic alter egos potentially irredeemable at the expense of the viewer's comfort richard williams does some infuriating things here but the movie never once indicates that he was ever wrong this sands the edges off a film that occasionally comes at you from unexpectedly askew angles. When Mario Van Peebles decided to play his father Melvin in Badass, the elder Van Peebles told him, don't make me too nice. Will Smith adheres to this philosophy through King Richard, keeps pulling him back from the brink. The day before my screening, I saw Smith live on his book tour at the King's Theater in Brooklyn. He read from his book, performed songs, and chatted with Spike Lee. Smith talked about how he uses humor as a defense mechanism and action to hide his fears. His words came back to me as I watched his performance. Richard Williams is always on, tossing off asides and comments that are often hilarious and mean enough for a Medea movie. He's larger than life, and we need a larger than life personality to play him, someone who can successfully overpower your defenses with charm. Though Smith's characterization is oversized, his best moments occur when he's cornered into dropping his facade. He's playing a man who refuses to acknowledge anything besides his own opinion, yet his hauntingly effective when forced into silence. Despite two nominations for Oscars, Smith is rarely given credit for his dramatic acting chops. The scenes where he shows William's vulnerability have a wounded quality that lingers long after the moment has passed. Whether surveying his wounds after his upteenth violent run-in with neighborhood riffraff, or realizing that there's no way he can help his daughters get out of her own head on the court, Smith excels at showing the wounded man underneath all the bravado. It's screenplay by Zach Balin that keeps threatening to undermine his performance. There's a dramatic skittishness here that can't be ignored. The actor is willing to be truly unlikable in appropriate moments, but the film keep, keeps making him unimpeachable. So like untouchable, essentially. Um, it's a pretty long review, actually. But he ends on saying much will be made of Smith's performance, which is excellent. And I'm hoping Ellis gets all the praise he deserves. But Sydney and Singleton should also be commended for their excellent work as Venus and Serena, which we will absolutely talk about in just a moment. Both have different roles to play, that of the rising star and the budding one temporarily trapped in her shadow, respectively. Plus, unlike Will Smith, they have to mimic two of the greatest athletes to ever play any sport. They should be kept in the conversation because it's the acting across the board that ultimately saves King Richard. It earns the extra half star that makes this a thumbs up review. At 
140 minutes. The film is about an hour, a half hour too long in his opinion, but everyone on screen made the extra time far more tolerable than it could have been. In his opinion. In his opinion, yes. Um, is he, the half star thing is so me because I'm like, is he saying that it should be a two and a half star movie and he gave it a half star to make it three? Maybe. Or in what world? I know. Sorry. I know. Yeah. I think overall, I think what he's saying is that it's a memorable movie. The acting really saves it. And maybe he would have rated it a half a star more if it was like slightly shorter in time. And then I don't know, whatever. So we obviously feel a little (laughs) different about this. Bria. How many, how would you respond to Odie's review and how many pumps of butter would you give this? Well, I don't think it's too long because after I watched King Richard, I was hope like I was like, they need to keep these girls on track with tennis and stuff, and they need to do another movie with them and capture really like the domination of Venus and Serena somehow. Um, so I say that meaning there could have been more in my opinion. Like um, I was very enthralled by this movie. Um, I obviously guessed for because that is my rating. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's one thing pre-awards and stuff so i'm probably biased because of that but i don't know how you give an oscar worthy movie less than four stars so there's that um and his opinions on like in it he keeps talking about how like richard it like is unimpeachable and that you can tell Will can play him in ways that maybe he's mean, maybe he's a little crass, maybe he's not so nice, not so great, but they don't go there and they kind of always bring him back to some kind of likable, understandable place. And I think that for one, you have to, like when you watch interviews of Will and more than likely he's with Venus and Serena in a lot of interviews, Mm -hmm. this movie is more than anything, a love letter from these two women to their father. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you love your parents, it's hard to like criticize them in a way that you don't also be like, you know, my father was hard on us, but look at what we became because of that. I also think about like Joe Jackson and the Jacksons and like Janet Jackson um, when she talks about her father she's like you know he was very hard and you know not compromising but look at what that got us he had to be like that to prevent all these i forget how many jacksons there are we definitely know there's five plus janet six there's about like (laughs) maybe (laughs) 12 of them i don't know but you have this large black family in this urban area, Gary, Indiana, urban small town area. And you're trying to prevent them from getting into gangs at that time and trouble and all kinds of stuff. 
impregnating girls early. So of course you're hard on them and you're essentially kind of working them to get them where you, where they're successful. And Richard kind of did the same thing. You have, you know, a house full of young women in Compton, California in the eighties and Mm nineties in the height of like the crack epidemic. And you have girls who are, you know, straight A students and on the honor roll, like the older sisters. And then you have two young girls that you're trying to make tennis superstars. And of course we see that neighbor who's criticizing him about Mm -hmm. how hard he works them. But like the, the reasons for that, you know, are so nuanced and I don't think anybody could understand it unless they came from that. And so I feel like you have to tell that story with a little more grace than making him like some tyrant or some dictator who was just, you know, unforgiving and like, you know, really hard on his children when the reason why he was hard and and Richard Williams really wasn't even like as bad as Joe Jackson. He was very loving. Like I watched an interview with the tennis coach and the one that's in the movie and Mm -hmm. he talks about how amazing of a father he was and Mm -hmm. how in the movie, you know, they go to Disneyland. He's like, you're not playing tennis. You're going to be a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And so He wasn't even like the Joe Jackson of tennis, but I think that's how the media wanted to portray him. And Mm -hmm. so when you see like realistic media portrayals of him, maybe it seems like that. But this this long, very winded (laughs) explanation is, again, this is his daughter's viewpoint of him. And if anybody deserves to make him softer, it's them. So. I don't feel like he can criticize that. And that's my opinion. Now, sticking to it. Um, We have Samesies ratings for this one. Um, We, um, excuse me, are on the same page in terms of like, for once, I'm like, I didn't think it was too long. It didn't feel long. It it moved very well. And um, I did take a midway break, which just... I need to do these days anyways, but I, I took a midway break and then came back to it. Um, and, but overall, I mean, with, with the way that the movie ended, I was like, oh, but it's just getting started more, yes. more, more. <laughs> like, um, I loved that so much of the heart of the movie was about the girl's relationship with with tennis and their family and it truly was i mean i kind of went back and watched will's acceptance speech at the oscars which we all know what happened prior to that um but he even makes it a note that says love will make you do crazy things and this movie's about family and i i still think that he prepared to say that and i know that that's how he really felt and definitely talking about in the interviews and roles for this uh prepping for this movie he reflected a lot about his relationship with his father and um i liked how you had uh mentioned or maybe it was early on in in this review about using um humor as a way to kind of 
deflect what's really kind of going on. I think it was the opening paragraph of this movie, but using humor to kind of deflect and over on and those same kind of techniques were used in that movie from from Richard. Like if you watch clips of him talking about his girls, it's like very similar things. It's like oof, making like off-putting <laughs> jokes that might make someone like, uh, like cringe and be a little uncomfortable, but that's someone's defense mechanism, right? So yeah. um, very, I watched this with Leah. We both very much were like obvious. We can understand why this is uh, a w- award-winning performance. I think overall this movie, um, was miffed in other categories. I wish it had the chance to compete with other films. Uh, I did also pull up the stats for HBO in the meantime. And this, um, according to Samba TV, I don't know what that is, but maybe it's a stat collector. King Richard was watched by 707 thousand u.s households from its debut from november 19th through the 21st so that's just within that opening weekend and that doesn't take into account like you can have one person watching you can have your whole family watching and so you have to kind of count that as like tickets per person watching right and that's the bummer thing about streaming statistics is that it doesn't tell you how many people are watching it but that's actually a very decent amount just for opening weekend. That's not total and overall. Yeah. I just want to say that wouldn't be a bad feature for st- streaming. I know that we're like, oh, they're collecting data on us all the time. But them being like, how many people are watching with mm-hmm. you? That's not tr- her- horrendous, especially if this is the way that like movies are going. Right. Like, that could be cool. So anyways, um, are there more streaming numbers or totals? Um, no, that was just kind of the first number. I'm so sorry. I can't compare that to others, but it just said based on U.S. census figures suggesting that the average U.S. household contains 2.5 members or more, the film's box office performance would probably look better if 1.7 mil. So if you... Um, multiply that by two, that would be 1.7 more million folks occupying that 707,000 HBO Max household um, to your local theater to see the movie instead. Alas, how many of those consumers would actually make that decision is unknowable. So similar to what you were saying, like people are like, no, I'm not going to the theater. I'd rather watch this at home. But that's their way to still like contribute to it and like watch it. And I will say, too, like, if I'm honest, this is kind of a Black movie. Like, so the crossover appeal might not be there. Mm. Um, But I would think, too, that, like, tennis fans, and tennis is very white, but I would think that maybe, like, those tennis people would watch it Mm -hmm. um, out of fandom and curiosity. But interesting. We'll never know. We'll never know what what it could have been um, mm-hmm. box office wise. Yeah. Shall we talk about the trailer? Yes. What were your thoughts on it? Um, I definitely remember seeing this trailer. Also, mm-hmm. <laughs> Beyonce does a song for King Richard. So it's in some of the trailers and it's um, a bit slowed down and a little different than the actual release and throughout the trailer. But I mean, this trailer is definitely doesn't hide what this mm-hmm. movie is about. And 
I think it does a good job of you of sucking people in who may not watch tennis, who may not know the Williams sister's story and uh, their father. Um, and so I, I always, when I saw it, I was like, I, I gotta see that. But mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's gonna be on HBO Max. Bet I'm staying home. <laughs> so um, I did watch it be off the strength of the trailer too. So yeah, it, and this is definitely a more emotional trailer than we've had in um, the past handful of movies. Let's say so. Going from like Bad Boys, <laughs> Spice in Disguise, <laughs> wrecked me. Um, to like a heart tugging um, m- movie uh, like King Richard, it was kind of nice to be like, oh, right. Like it kind of sucked me back in of like, oh, I remember seeing this trailer for the first time and being like, oh, this looks really sweet. Like a nice yeah. story. Yeah. Um, moving on, shall we talk about the cast? I am so excited to talk about the cast. Who should we start with outside of um should we talk with um maybe some of like just do the smaller roles first of like the coaches sure yeah and the sponsors so uh tony goldwin Ah! (laughs) what if you know you know he was the president fitzgerald on scandal half of olin's (laughs) um I shipped it. I shipped him and Carrie Washington, possibly yeah. having some kind of secret relationship in real life. I was knee deep in Tony Goldwyn love. So I love seeing him in stuff. And yeah, amazing. He's a handsome man and he's rocking those little mini tennis shorts, baby. <laughs> um, he plays uh, their first coach, uh, Paul Cohen. Um, and um kind of you his role was great in that it he sh- was able to kind of convey his frustrations when um Richard would obviously go to every single practice um and would be there to film would be there to also coach also dad also trip do like transportation and stuff and like maybe keep his kids like humble a little bit as they're getting better um and I thought that he did a good job at being like do you want to coach or do you want me to coach? And I feel like a lot of professional, like maybe not professional, but a lot of coaches probably struggle with that parent concept too. When like they're out on the line and they're like, get it number 14. Like, come on, let's go. And it's like, Whoa, hold on. I, I got it from here. Yeah. yeah. Um, Richard Williams definitely wasn't an easy sport parent probably to deal with. Um, but Tony Goldwyn too is just very good at playing like very smooth and like kind of very confident. And I think that's just because of him, mm-hmm. but um, he carried himself well as Paul Cohen, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, he did wear the short shorts. Well, so <laughs> shout out to him. Let me just say every person wearing the short shorts. Looks good. I and I'm, I'm a fan of the Hoochie Daddy shorts. So. Me too. Petition to bring those back. <laughs> By Kevin Sumfer. Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Next, we have John Bernthal, who plays coach Rick Macy. And this is the coach I watched like a yeah. two hour interview with. Um, I watched, I paid attention for the early parts of it. So amazing stories about this time and meeting the Williams family. Um, but John Bernthal practically unrecognizable like looking at his yes. imdb picture i'm yeah. like who's this guy in the movie <laughs> he looks totally different he has like a kind of 70s porn stash in shaggy in the movie. hair with short bangs <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um he transformed yeah, and he did. did amazing mm-hmm. um and that coach player family to dynamic he did a lot to support the williams family Mm -hmm. and help them move to florida and get started and you know gave the girls their own dedicated courts to practice on and he was very instrumental in helping them become a huge success so Mm -hmm. um this character was very very well well done in my opinion so Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, next, do you want to talk about Anjanu? Thank you. <laughs> um, Anjanu Ellis, such a legend. Uh, if you follow us on social media, I posted um, some pages of Vibe. And sh- oh, I don't think I posted hers, but she's in uh, the Destiny Child Vibe magazine I have. They did mm. a feature on her. Um, she has definitely, I feel like kind of, she's kind of in her Viola Davis moment where like she is this long tenured actor who's been actress who's been around and has had like a role or two here and there that you might recognize. But in the past like couple of years, I feel like she's had her biggest like standout roles, um, including this movie. And I think she got this movie because of that. But she's in Lovecraft Country. She played Mm -hmm. um, the mother for the Clark sisters in their Lifetime movie, which was amazing. She should have won an award for that. Um, And I believe she won some awards for this performance. But um, amazing actress, amazing depth, Mm -hmm. and a great motherly quality to her. Yes. Um, and the- and I uh, apologize for not getting that name right the first time. Her IMDb picture, she looks so young. I thought it was one of the older sisters. William sisters. So, yeah. I was like, uh. so the, have you I- ever seen Undercover Brother? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. She is like the kind of like foxy, like black, black lady. Black Panther late woman, right? Yeah. Yeah. So- Oh, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I fucking saw that movie in theaters. (laughs) I mean, talk about little me, like, looking around being like... (laughs) We had that movie on DVD, and me and my nephew, he definitely played that a lot. But, um, I mean, I remember seeing her in, like, Lovecraft Country Mm -hmm. and uh, the Clock Sister movies, and then, like, IMD being her, and I'm like, wait that's her from undercover brother she does look a bit different now but mm-hmm. um but yeah i feel like she played the i don't want to say stereotypical but a very 
familiar, very strong backbone of a black mom um, in a family. Yes. And also being able to speak up for herself and for her daughters um, when uh, they're when they when the family moved to uh, was it Florida? Yes. Um, when the family moves to Florida and, um, you know, it's no, it's, I guess maybe no secret, but a lot of people probably learned when watching this movie that, um, the, uh, that Venus and Serena and the three children that were from Oracine, Oracine, thank you. Oracine Williams, um, she had three other children that uh, Richard Williams had several other children from different marriages. So she kind of like brings it up about like your kids are coming, asking and looking for you. And um, she kind of when he would like make decisions, uh, like whether it be financial decisions or important decisions about the girl's future in sports, about like what they play, when they play pulling them out of tournaments and stuff. She's like, we're in this together. Like we're a team. Um, And I don't want to repeat certain dialogue and stuff, but there is a really strong moment where she's like, you think this certain thing about yourself. And I'm standing here telling you that I don't think that about you. Yeah. And uh, she too, I think it's obvious Richard's involvement in the careers of Venus and Serena but I feel like I definitely see their moms all the time at their matches and stuff Mm -hmm. and their sister Um, but I don't think a lot of people know that she too learned tennis and helped like like in the movie she helps fix Serena's serve because Richard fucked that up yeah 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 so like while one's rising to stardom, she works with the other to to like improve her game. That like she also played tennis too and has some really great pointers. That was awesome. Yeah, and I mean, could one say that maybe? I mean, not that she's the better coach, but like Serena <laughs> did wind up to be the more successful one. And like, I mean, where would she have been if her mom didn't like step in and yeah. like? help her fix her serve and give her a little boost of confidence and and uh, you know make her believe in herself again uh so i think ingenue i'm surprised she didn't get nominated for an mm-hmm. oscar um yes just being like overall badass mom coach maybe yes. like arguably a stronger she, coach is she, she the help? goat coach <laughs> <laughs> Should we have a queen or a scene movie? Oh my God, we should. That rhymes rhymes. too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyways, any other notes about her performance or? No, she was awesome. All right. Shall we move on to the young guns of this film? The young ladies who play Venus and Serena? Yes. Let's talk. Let's talk. Start with, um, Sanaya Sydney? Yes. Okay. Uh, who plays Venus uh, Williams. And I'll be goddamned when she came out with the beads. The beads. <laughs> I was like, take me away. A sweet escape. 
like Leah and I just both whooped and we both just like looked at each other and just said iconic like fucking iconic to everybody <laughs> yeah, absolutely um man this young lady like mm-hmm. so this movie it's called King Richard definitely about Richard Williams and his influence and his plan for his daughters but when you watch interviews of Venus and Serena, like the entertainment uh, weekly interview with her, with them and Will, you know, Serena always makes a point to say, you know, this movie is just as much about Venus and her rise and being the first to yes. go through that door. And without her, there would be no Serena. And I had never looked at it like that. And I think it's just because I'm really young. But, you know, going back to the stats I listed earlier, you know, if you just recently started paying attention to tennis and didn't follow them from beginning to, you know, their careers now, Obviously, Serena is the GOAT, and she's won so much, and she is the more visible one. She is definitely in kind of the Hollywood mix of things more, and Venus is a little bit more, like, to herself a bit more, I would say, and probably a little more private. And so I think she gets overlooked sometimes in that regard, and especially in the terms of thinking about, like, this the fact that, you know, like I said, she's the first African-American woman to be number one in tennis ranking. Like, that is crazy, you know? And so that kind of stuff, when you're doing biopics or movies, you know, Mm -hmm. celebrating careers and stuff, Mm -hmm. is important to reiterate. And I think it's really beautiful, too, because I think most people would probably go into this and kind of think you're going to see a lot of Serena and I don't I don't know what most people would go into this scene because I remember seeing reviews about it and a lot of people were surprised it was mostly about their dad and not about them mm-hmm. so but that Venus is at the forefront of this movie Sanaya did an amazing job doing that also conveying like her shyness and awkwardness um, if you mm-hmm. watch interviews of Venus at that time, like the infamous interview that Richard interrupts and is like, she just said that with a whole lot of confidence. And you, why are you asking her again? You know? Yeah. Why are you trying to knock her down? And even though she did say that with a lot of confidence, you can still can still see like the social awkward teenageriness and you know she's tall and gangly and you know so I feel like she did a great job capturing that it's also important to note as Will notes remarkably that she is left-handed yes she learned how to play tennis right-handed because Venus is right-handed and as a tennis player that is not unheard of. My friend Molly actually is lefty and she plays right, but it's still like, what the fuck? Especially for a movie role. Like, yes, and they were kids. Like, yes. where you're still kind of trying to perfect your hand-eye coordination. <laughs> and and that's what, when you were just like, I hope that these actresses continue with tennis to like, do another biopic because they were just so great. And um. You know, her portrayal of someone who is so passionate about this sport, who holds a lot of self-worth and confidence, 
um, but still wants to be a kid. I mean, yes, this movie is about Richard Williams, but honestly, I feel as though, it, in my opinion, that Sanaya and Demi were the main stars. Like, I was really kind of more focused on them to the point where I was like, I'm supposed to be reviewing Will's performance. My bad. <laughs> like, I got lost in their performance because it was... Yeah. And you know how I feel about child acting. It can really teeter to be over dramatic or just completely flat. And I just give so much credit to not only... To, to play a kid is one thing, but then to play an athlete and a household name athlete on top of that has a lot of pressure, I think, on your shoulders. And that the scene where their coach, um, Rick Macy, was sitting them down and it was before she uh, Venus was going out to perform at one of, um, I don't know, I forget like what the title of the actual event was, mm-hmm. um, but it was like the kind of towards three quarters of the way at the end. Um, and there was uh people uh there that were going to offer scholarship sponsors and he's like you can sign this oh yeah million dollar deal right now and she had that freedom and self-worth to make that decision for herself and say no i'm gonna play because i want them to watch me play and even though she lost that game she fucking got a better deal for that afterwards what was it like 14 million yeah like at what was she she turned pro at like 16 or something like crazy like 14 million at 16 like thank god they're competitive because my lazy ass would have been like i don't need anything else that's all i need (laughs) bye tennis um anyways uh yeah i think they i think you know, King Richard is obviously will win an Oscar and stuff, but like, like you said, like their standout and breakthrough performances because too, they're relatively unknown young mm-hmm. actresses. It's not like a Disney star that we've seen, True. you know, grow up or like saw glimpses of here or there. Like I've never seen either one of these young ladies before. And so for them to come in so strong like this in a movie with giants like Will, like Ingenue, mm-hmm. like how Tony Goldwyn, how <laughs> his great grandpa is the Goldwyn in Metro Goldwyn Meyer. Like Whoa, wait, really? Yes. Oh damn. So, like, to be around this level of excellence and then you're playing a whole nother level of excellence again in tennis, like, and you're eating it up, like, no crumbs, like, amazing. Um, and there's a there's a level of detail, too. Like, she talks about watching matches from, like, the 90s and later in Venus's career and being able to see the evolution of her game and... This kind of reminds me a bit of, like, when we talk about even Ali, but, like, Selena, like, the level of, you know, just watching somebody and trying to get, like, their mannerisms and stuff down. Even how she hits, like, how Venus hits her backhand, she, like, angles her wrist. And she's like, I practice that so much. And even Mm -hmm. how Venus serves is very unique. And these are things that 
people who watch them a lot would notice Mm -hmm. but like to go to that level of detail and they like worked on the serve like without actually serving a ball and just broke it down step by step so that it was like second nature to her and so much so she said in an interview that her dad like even venus's walk like her dad was like now you're walking like venus like all the time you know (laughs) so for these for this young lady to like I, I don't know if this is method, but for her to go into that much detail in this role at this age, amazing. So I really do hope that they keep these young ladies like on the back burner to play them in a, another movie. But mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, moving on, should we talk about Demi as yeah. young Serena? Mm-hmm. Also, they play them at varying ages. So they True. play them really young at like what like nine, nine ten yeah yeah and then like up until like 14 16 mm-hmm. so amazing oh like a pretty good chunk of time you look so different between when you're nine versus when you're 14 so props to the um costume makeup hair you know like slightly maturing their hairstyle or like giving them like a little bit more ma- older clothes or something yeah. like that but yeah um yeah i was like it took me a second to realize that there was like that subtle progression which was awesome but yes demi was great as serena and i don't know a lot about the like factualness obviously with a biopic there's flexibility to bend or twist the truth um but what i really appreciated about demi's performance is that there was this overall sister camaraderie and that there never felt like there was a hmm, competitiveness or upsetness. It was always, she was always there at every competition, every match to support Venus and um, to be there with her too. And also as she's kind of rising up into fame with the ending scene um, with their, when they're met with all of those, girls and boys who wanted signatures and like to say hi to them and take pictures and stuff that um serena was also like asked to be there too because people also recognized her potential and talent yeah um so it's so cute i i love that you brought up the sisterly part because i think that's a big part in like when you watch the interviews um like there's an interview with the whole cast and mm-hmm. Venus and Serena and their sister Isha and even things like um like Venus and Serena talk about like going to set and seeing them and like even when they weren't like you know filming they were still like holding hands or like you know very much like in each other's space like they're like it's kind of scary because it's like really accurate and like I can see where Serena was and I think like even in the movie Richard asks them like who's who's your best friend and you know Venus like you daddy and Serena's like Venus then you daddy (laughs) yeah so cute But, like, Serena definitely, like, I've heard her talk about, like, how she just, like, wanted to be, like, Venus. And she's Mm -hmm. definitely that, like, little sister who 
probably copied everything Venus did and followed her around and all those kinds of things. And I feel like they captured that in a lot of ways, especially like when they're in the van and stuff. And you can kind of see that like Serena is just kind of hanging on to Venus in that kind of way. And it's good to know that that translated off screen and it was pretty real and that they had really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, also like Demi, I, I mean, Sanaya did an amazing job, but Demi looks wise is like scary close to like young Serena. Like mm-hmm. I was like, damn, like they really did a good job. Well, I mean, you can't, <laughs> I don't, I always don't promote casting biopics by looks. It's definitely by acting chops, but like to get both is amazing. And so I thought that was great. And then even like the scene where she goes to sign up herself up for <laughs> a, a tennis match unbeknownst to her parents and she's like kicking ass mm-hmm. and like those things, I feel like she captured Serena's winning fighter, like tough. Like when you watch Serena play tennis, it's not the pretty, like poetic looking, like ballet looking tennis. It is like gritty and powerful. (gasps) Mm -hmm. And yes. And even at this young of an age, like I think at that tournament, she's like nine. And even at that age, I think Demi did a good job of capturing that in that, Mm -hmm. you know, in its early probably like seedlings of that competitor. So Mm -hmm. props to her for that. Um, But, and too, for her to stand out, even though Venus is kind of the more, like her journey is a little bit more important in this movie, is still amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, I I do want to just mention yes. um, the neighbor, Miss Strickland. Oh, Rosie the Rosie the nosy neighbor. <laughs> yes, because she is played by, to me, a legendary black character in Love and Basketball. She is the the woman or the basketball player that Monica steals her spot. Oh yeah. As, so. It's a. I haven't seen her in anything besides Love and Basketball, so it's amazing to see her in something. So I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and so, um, yeah. Shout out, shout out to Erica Ringor. Um, I hope this means more opportunities for you. <laughs> um, moving on to Will Smith. Yes. Obviously, an award-winning performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is just the culmination of a lot of things obviously we saw in collateral beauty those beautiful tears we got some of those moments in this movie mm-hmm. um you definitely see growth in being able to pick up like an accent or speech pattern which is amazing um so much so i don't know if venus and serena were just hyping him up but um they definitely felt like it was eerie hearing him talk like their dad like Mm -hmm. it was that close Mm -hmm. to point um also we have a will not afraid to do the dirty work and wearing the short hoochie daddy shorts and (laughs) 
going a little rough in the hair. His hair is a little unkempt. Yes. Um, no crispy Philly fade per usual, like in a lot of his movies, you know, Will's a pretty sharp, clean cut guy. Mm-hmm. And he's got like a nice little overgrown, um, not even a fro really, but a little overgrown mm-hmm. hairdo going on a shaggy kind of beard. And I mean, talk about, really embodying someone especially like even though venus and serena are who they are richard williams in their ascent was just as like kind of famous and infamous because of his you know actions and the things he would say so someone that like people in the tennis world would definitely be able to be like "Eh, he didn't really that's not really how richard was and so i think his award-winningness, the fact that the sisters were very happy with his performance says a lot about this performance, but. Yes. And in interviews, Will would talk about like how nervous he was. I think he said the screening of it with the, Mm -hmm. with the Williams sisters and, and just family being there. He's like, that was one of the the most times I was the most nervous in a screening, like feeling that heat. Well, and I don't think he watched it with them because he mentions he's like, you know, the last time I did this is kind of for Ollie and concussion where mm. I've, I've played people and pursuit of happiness where I've played people who like in a bio- biographical nature and they're alive and they watch it. And so it's really nerve wracking. But like for Ollie, he sat behind Ollie and he was like, never doing that again. So (laughs) I don't think he watched it with them, but just waiting for them to like have a reaction. I Mm -hmm. can imagine like, was it good? Was it not? Did I just waste $50 million? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, did we really do something worth um, doing? And I think he had, uh, and I think part of his performance too, is that he really had a connection to this story. Like he really wanted to tell it and do it justice. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's always really good. We've talked about this, about talking about his roles, but I feel like he really connected with this in like some really deep um, kind of way, like as a dad, having his dad pass away. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he just, I think this, Barring what happened at the Oscar could have been like a real shift in his um, movie picks, especially considering that emancipation is coming next. Like, Mm -hmm. so, um, and he says too in an interview, you know, he, he doesn't do movies anymore for awards or money. Um, He's taking that JLo route (laughs) of like, they didn't give me an Oscar yet. Yeah. yeah, they didn't give me an Oscar yet. So I'm just gonna do what makes me happy or things I'm passionate about. And this was definitely a passion project. So um, because the the Williams sisters, they didn't like come up with this idea or pitch this. They had to get on board with this mm-hmm. idea. And even that, like um, one of the older sisters, Isha was like, and even though like, you know, I was kind of interested in it, I still had to get like my family to like want to do this. And it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. And you would think most celebrities would want a movie about themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> in some regard. But um, the fact that 
they got on board so much that they were doing press and all this stuff to promo the movie and it wasn't even their idea or anything is also says a lot about like yeah. their faith in will and um the process and in him mm-hmm. you can almost say that just as you had mentioned that this is very much a love letter from the Williams sisters to their father in some ways could be a love letter from Will to his father and about growing up with a complicated relationship with a a parent figure. Um, And even though it looked different, you know, they had different career paths and and stuff like that. You know, Will's talked about openly talked about, um, is witnessing abuse and like not being able being so young that he didn't say or do anything or intervene so he was just a kid right but like kind of still really feeling that many years later um this role i think was important in his career and it's a shame that it gets overshadowed with what happened at the Oscars because I think you're right in that this could have been a really great turning point as he was 53 when he made it. Um, he's getting a little bit older, maybe can't do as many action movies anymore, but we kind of talked about this a couple episodes ago of like, will he get to that unfinished life kind of role where he plays <laughs> like the lower key roles, you know what I mean? But Overall, it was really cool to see him. We've seen him be disheveled and little ragged and rough around the edges in other films. First movie. Oh oh my God. Yes, where the day takes you. He played like a vet. A homeless vet. Yeah. A homeless vet. Yes, that's right. My goodness. But like he was young, but yeah. now he's actually older and maybe not to mean that Richard Williams looks homeless or anything. No, but... no, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely not. But just, you know, when you get older, you tend to carry yourself and just change and look a little bit different. And I like that Will didn't go the handsome route now he was rocking the hell out of those shorts and what i noticed with leah i said his face looks old but his legs look young so there was like <laughs> like disconnect with like the old makeup Does he have a body had... double <laughs> <No>. <laughs> with the young legs um but that's just because I mean, will's in shape thunder I'm, thighs, I, like... I see that muscle definition yes um but, but you know even like you mentioned the hair and like facial hair and stuff but even in the teeth his teeth were slightly yellowed and he kind of made very like (sighs) interesting facial expressions that will doesn't normally do in some of his roles and i appreciated the depth that he went for that accent as we've heard him do a southern accent before and (laughs) in the end in in the movie that shan't that shan't be named but um (laughs) But this one was like much better because it was like, I don't know, just like more like purposeful dialogue and not overly exaggerated. Um, so, so yeah. And like also just the moments of the cinematography of when he goes back to um, the tennis courts at night after dinner and he goes to just like get some frustration out and hit some balls and the neighborhood um, boys. Bugs. <laughs> They whip his ass and then he's lying on the ground. They run over and like spill the 
cart of tennis balls and it just kind of like rolls past and like seeing and here I'm going to go on a weird tangent and I apologize for that but like I'm seeing my parents age and get older and see them either fall or get hurt and it's as a kid to see that happening to your uh, parent who's like supposed to be strong supposed to be your rock um yeah so scary and sad and so like the first time he got beat up when the girls were inside that volkswagen van um and we're just like watching outside the window because he was trying to protect them to say like get away from my daughter like you have no business to be sniffing around them and stuff like that like it was just so powerful to watch and um yeah and 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 for a moment richard goes back with his gun that he has from his other like evening he has like a nighttime security job and he goes back to with vengeance on those boys and then they I wonder just, like, how true that is or if that was like a yeah. dramatic license See, that's i think that might have been some dramatic flexibility there but one of them d- gets hit in a drive-by shooting and he quickly like oh fuck yeah. you know like get <laughs> out of there real quick um but to just see going back to quote him love makes you do crazy things that the the distance that he was willing to go for his family for his kids is he the best person i'm not arguing that i'm not saying king richard was this or sorry that richard was the saint um but the way that will portrayed him showed him in that not necessarily desperate but like i'm willing to put myself out there as many times as it takes to get my kids recognized um and i'm not going to stop until they do the determination i think that's the word i'm looking for and to go back to like him going to like seek vengeance like whether or not that's true it's a great plot device because i think it also puts you in the perspective of like for them to get where they were going and his importance in that because you think if he shoots this kid what happens to like if he gets arrested and goes away to prison what happens to venus and serena Mm -hmm. do they make it are they the world's best tennis players are they number one and number two like are they the most profitable tennis players in women's tennis maybe not Mm -hmm. like maybe you know, their dad being ripped away from them in that way would have like sent them in a spiral of God knows what. But I think again, him being like, maybe in that sense, I mean, you know, it's not like he chose and was like, never mind. <laughs> Somebody else kind of made a choice for him. Yeah. But, you know, that divine intervention and like that sort of like, you know, this is kind of destined kind of story plot is like interesting to think about. And then also like, what was it you said? I think like, like you said, his determination, because I mean, I've seen Will talk about like dreams and stuff and like having to believe in your dream so much that you'll do anything to achieve it Mm -hmm. and I think this is clearly the embodiment of that and maybe that's something that drew him to this role because he definitely um 
can relate to that. But like for most people, people with like big dreams like that, like, you know, that guy being like, you could have the next Michael Jordan on your hand and him being like, not just the next Michael Jordan, the next two, like, you know, being that sure and confident Uh and especially as a black person in a white sport to white people, Mm -hmm. like having the audacity to be Mm -hmm. like, my two daughters, these two little girls from Compton, they're going to be the best tennis players ever. He even predicted, I'm going to have a movie made about me one day. It's going to be called King Richard. He even said that. like, mm-hmm. and, and just things like that where he believes so much in these girls. And like maybe you just fucking manifested the fuck out of this. But like... <laughs> It's just like that insane belief and confidence that is not easy. That is not like, I mean, praise to those people who do. I am of the opposite camp. I'm very pessimistic. (laughs) So when I see portrayals of that or people who are able to achieve that, it blows my mind because even having like an affirmations app on my phone, I'm just like, oh yeah, I direct my future. Sure. (laughs) okay like I I'll look at it and I'll say it but in my head or like under my breath I'm like Mm. yeah okay but he was sure yes I mean he was so sure there's that confidence yeah and all those things that he was able to predict too was just like that should have been my opening line of like talk about a manifestation. I like I need I need to take <laughs> some lessons because I'm I'm also with you on that when it comes to like not so much like manifesting stuff. I can like hope and want something for myself and like try to visualize it. But, you know, it was great to see that confidence and have that confidence rub off on those girls. Yeah, especially too cuz like I've seen Will say this, but more notably, I've seen Jay-Z also talk about dreams and stuff and like how when a lot of times you want to do something people will be like oh you can't do that or like that's not realistic and to believe in yourself and your dream like if I heard that I'd be like well damn like I guess it's yeah they're right it's kind of not that realistic Mm -hmm. but to believe in yourself and your dreams is to like not listen to people like that because those people are as little small-minded peasants who are just like you know what I'll just work my little nine to five and be cushy instead of being like you know what like I can see bigger than your little small-mindedness and like you think I can't do it because you think you can't do it so why would I be able to do it but in my head I'm, I'm already great. I'm, you know, I definitely can do this and I don't have that mindset. (laughs) Like I, I can understand like that, like having to be like that, but I don't know where you find that. And I, I think that's just like self-love or just like maybe a little bit of desperation and determination of, you know, Richard Williams came from Arkansas's probably poverty. Um, I think that's something Will probably related to with like his dad just being a hard worker and coming kind of from not a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that generation of parents, a lot of them were kind of born and brought up and not so much and 
I mean, when you think about like Serena Williams's like peers, all of these 19, like 81 babies mm. are fucking goats. Like her Beyonce. I mean, I don't want to call Justin Timberlake a goat, but he's, he's notable. Like, um, <laughs> I don't know if Usher is their same age, but like you have these kids who whose parents were probably of this era of, you know, if you work hard, you persist, you put in the work, your talent, your skill, whatever it is, is going to be undeniable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we live in a world of instant gratification now. Mm -hmm. And also like maybe our generation is a little bit of the participation trophy era, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I was the kid who, if I couldn't do it good right away, I gave up on stuff. Same. And so I, I wonder if that's a generational thing where like, you know, just having parents that are like, no, you're going to keep doing this until you're good at it that's the only way you're good good at it I wish my parents forced me to do more I think I feel like they let me give up on stuff in some ways and so like I can't I can't relate to all these like successful ass like people from born in the 70s and 80s who are just like nah like people told me I couldn't do this and I was just like watch me People mm-hmm. told me I couldn't do something. I was just like, hmm, you might be right. <laughs> you might be onto something. I'm not sure if I could do it. I I don't know about you, if you relate to this too, but I feel like I definitely, I mean, there are cases where if people tell me I can't do stuff, I'll be motivated. But I definitely feel like I'm always searching for someone to tell me I'm good at stuff too. Like, instead the validation. Of, yeah, instead of just being like, oh, I know I'm good at this. I'm just like, I'm good at this, right? Like- yeah. yeah, did I do a good job? It's it's difficult, I think, from a parent's perspective. And I say this, obviously, we are childless millennials. But um, from a parent's perspective, uh, raising two kids that might be matched on um, – capabilities in terms of physical ability, mental uh, abilities, you you might really excel with sports or academics and stuff. Um, But also celebrating your uniqueness and not putting like pitting that against each other can be walking the fine line. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. That that was some deep ass (laughs) conversation for Disneyland. (laughs) What were you in, Peter Pan? (laughs) Oh my God, no, it was Splash Mountain of all. (laughs) Wow. We we were writing it one last time for its final hurrah. Good riddance. Go into your laughing place. But before we get there, mom. uh, (laughs) But yeah, I mean parenting is a, a puzzle. It's a mystery. And even like Will you know, took away some stuff from this. And he's like, you know, how do you, you know, champion your kids and align yourself with them instead of like directing them and telling them, you know, you do this because I did this and this is what made me successful. Or you have to listen, like, I know what I'm talking about. You have to listen. And I know the Smith kids get a lot of flack. Um, They're, I would say non-traditional kind of black kids, but in the age of Gen Z and stuff, they're pretty much 
on trend to like openness and, you know, experimentation and okay with being different and against like norms and all kinds of stuff. And I think a big part of that is their parenting. I mean, I, black people are not a monolith, but we have so many cultural familiarities and things that we share and a lot of them are rooted in parenting things and growing up you know knowing that certain things don't fly in black households or our culture you know like thinking of Jaden wearing skirts like why is that newsworthy but at the same time like that is not something that if I went to like a family event and one of my cousins did that like male cousins or something that is not something that would just be like "Mm, okay good for him like that is something that people definitely are like you see little Jaden over there I don't know you know Mm -hmm. and with that kind of culture you cultivate like a fear and an openness and so I mean homophobia in the black community is very rooted and now I'm going on a tangent but like you know, being able to, like Will said, align yourself with your kids and, you know, speaking to Richard in this movie, like, again, like the Disney world thing where it's like, they're being too hard on themselves, or I don't want them to play junior tennis, because I don't want to do this kind of like, you know, kind of kid pageant kind of thing where or, you know, like you said, the parents who are just like, you know, too into it and writing too much on their kids to be a success Mm -hmm. it's like I want them to work hard and reach this goal but not by like subjecting them to like all this pressure too Mm -hmm. early Mm -hmm. and Rick Macy in the interview I watched he talked about you know that's very true like Richard would do that like two days before a tournament you know, it's like, okay, we're going to practice. And he's like, no, we're going to Disney world. Mm-hmm. Or if Serena's like, oh, my knee hurts. And even though I just saw you running around playing or something like that, and clearly your knee probably doesn't really hurt. Okay. Take the day off, you know, and allowing them to have those days mm-hmm. and be kids and not be like, maybe like a Joe Jackson where it's just like, no, mm-hmm. get your ass on that tennis court or we're gonna have problems. And so much so too that Will and Serena and Venus point out that like their punishment was not playing tennis and how as a parent you get like your kid that involved in something where Mm -hmm. like you can take it away from them and that tortures them. Like where it's like, you're gonna be a tennis phenom and I'm banking on you not banking, but, you know, I'm aiming for you to be successful in this. And it's not a chore for, especially as a kid, like, it's like, do I really want to play tennis or do I want to be outside playing with my friends or playing Nintendo or at the mall, but so much so that you get them to love this so much that when they're in trouble, you're like, you don't get to play tennis and that sucks for them like in what world <laughs> like right so i mean that level of just like parenting and whatnot i don't he could have wrote a book he should have wrote a book i don't know if he did but i would read the hell out of that yeah um, 
But yeah, um, Will's performance, amazing, obviously. And his mannerisms, his willingness to commit to the role. Also, everyone speaks so highly of him on set. Yeah. You know, the young girls, they call him Mr. Will. I thought that was (laughs) so cute. That probably drove him crazy, too. (laughs) (laughs) Made him feel really old. Yeah. Um, You know, they said he was like a father on set and just, you know, very caring and, you know, cared about everyone on set. And they were working during COVID. So Mm -hmm. taking care of the crew and making sure it was a safe space. Um, So well-earned Oscar, Mm -hmm. um, but just amazing film. And the fact, too, that we've gone on tangents talking about this movie and I wouldn't call them tangents, but like it, it's a movie that definitely makes you think and talk about family and parenting and dreams and goals and determination and all those things and have those conversations in a way that's like beyond just a movie and mm-hmm. beyond just like, oh, yeah, Venus and Serena made a movie about themselves. That's great. Like, or mm-hmm. their dad. Nah, fantastic. Those messages are universal and amazing to get people to converse about. Yes. Here, here. Well said. This movie definitely layers. Oh, like, absolutely. One of those nice chocolate cakes with like those thin, beautiful layers. Yes. Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, were there any other interviews that you wanted to mention? I liked how he did. You you said that he did a lot of interviews with Serena and uh, and Venus, which is awesome. Um, and then he did other just like press junkets alone. Um, and then I think in two, in tandem, his book is released around the same time. Yeah. So he's also kind of talking about that too. Um, I feel like we talked about like a good part of them obviously always would recommend to watch them yourselves and take what you want from them and in context um but i mean there there's the great one with the whole cast like from everyone from tony goldwyn to you know sanaya and demi and um the williams sisters are there the producers and writers are there um There's, again, like I said, the Entertainment Weekly interview where they're shooting the cover of Entertainment Weekly Mm -hmm. that they're on. There's also a behind the scenes video of Will going to the photo shoot and Mm -hmm. being Will. So that's fun to watch. There's a a little interview where uh, him and the girls, he asks them questions about themselves, which is amazing because um, he asked them to name like three movies of his. And my girl Demi named some of his like deepest roles. She named like seven pounds collateral beauty. Like <laughs> she has to have seen those movies. Cause like prior to this podcast, I would have been like bad boys, men in black independence day. Like, you know, and the fact that she named these movies that like not the average person would know are will smith movies off the top of their head i mean i I see you girl so notes notes to you so that that one's fun you know they call him mr will a lot in that um also he asked him like what to name songs of his which is cool because they're super young and so it's like 
what do they know? <laughs> um, and trying to think. Um, he's on like the Tonight Show. Like they did amazing press for this movie. And I think that's to their benefit, of course, for Oscar promo and yeah. stuff was yeah. to do these interviews. So um, I highly recommend you watch them. I do want to talk about that when this movie came out, I remember on Twitter, a lot of people were up in arms because there were a lot of reviews, notably, I believe, from like white women um, kind of panning this movie because they were kind of shocked that it wasn't so much about Venus and Serena and they made it this like feminist take on like, you have these amazing women who have accomplished a lot and this movie is just attributing all their success and hard work to their dad. Like, and they missed the whole assignment. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm happy for forums like Twitter for being able to like have discussions about things like that and also problematic things but that was good at least for me to see because it made me understand more like I said that this movie is a love letter to their dad and what he helped them accomplish and I think she totally missed that of course Venus and Serena could totally make a movie about their rise to tennis stardom and be like yeah we had coaches but I'm the muscle baby. I'm the one out there heading the tennis balls. You wasn't mm-hmm. with me in the gym, so to speak. <laughs> like, you know, and they didn't do that. They wanted to do something to honor their dad, who I think isn't in good health. I think he had a stroke, and that's why he's noticeably absent from their matches and even for this movie. I mean, he's alive, but obviously. Mm-hmm. probably not in a condition that he wants to be seen or interviewed or can be. So, I mean, I think that's important again, just to like put that at the forefront, like when, and if you watch this movie or if you've already watched this movie and you rewatch it, if you didn't already take that away from it, like this movie is a love letter from these women to their dad and it does not diminish their accomplishments Mm -hmm. to give him his flowers and to portray him in a loving manner that you know the press the media someone who doesn't know them can make a movie and make him out to be a tyrant and if anything they just show how much they love him by portraying him so kindly and beautifully Mm -hmm. and from how they see him so Mm -hmm. all that to say don't just listen to reviews all the time (laughs) like do your own or if you do make sure that you're reading a wide perspective of voices yes Yes. um because i mean i i would love to see a movie Again, like I said, I would love to see them continue this and do more where Richard becomes less involved in their careers. Obviously, as they get older, they get different coaches. They have endorsements and management and all kinds of things. And so I would love to see a movie about these women and their lives and journeys becoming young women in the spotlight in like a sport that's super white in a sport where they're achieving super high success 
at a Mm -hmm. very young age and get their perspective of that. But this wasn't the movie (laughs) to do that. Yeah. This wasn't their intention. So Mm -hmm. Um, shall we start winding down? Let's wind it down with a snack and cocktail. Did you have anything prepared for this evening? I definitely have something, but <laughs> this has nothing kind of to do with the movie. Like they didn't eat a lot. Oh, they, I, okay. I do relate to this because they're at like country clubs. Yes. And so there's obviously like some kind of cafe or something and usually a country club. You put remember. Yeah. So they're like chilling by the pool, eating their burgers and Ugh. fries, like living their best life. And their dad's like, what are you doing? Where did you get that food? And they're like, oh, it's okay. Like we put it on our tab. And he's like, put that down. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you get your butt. <laughs> like, so all that to say that I played tennis in high school. Um, I was not a member of a country club, but we did play at a country club for a certain school because they didn't have tennis courts and so we always loved playing there because we could get food from the like clubhouse and so we would always get like fries I want to say we would get garlic fries so I feel like some garlic fries would be amazing and then or just some fries and then also a pre-snack post tennis snack we would get in McDonald's if you're listening snack wraps from mcdonald's Mm, they were mm -hmm. so good and like they were the perfect like even though it's fast food they're the perfect like little quick like on the go like i need some kind of like snack before i play like these matches and stuff and then for a cocktail i feel like one it should be in a tennis ball container okay that would oh, be like iconic. the canister that has that with the yes heel top yes. lid. Oh, oh like, cool, cool, cool. why don't they make drinks like that? Like, yeah. um, but I went to perfect. I actually I have been blessed to see Serena play, and this is like in the past four years, and I went to Indian Wells, and I went with my cousin. She's way older than me she's like in her 70s but we did get treated to some she treated me to like a margarita so I think that's a great tennis drink and it's kind of tennis ball color Mm -hmm. um and I have some cups from that with like little tennis rackets on them I think so a souvenir cup I am a proponent (laughs) of or a tennis ball cup I mean Mm-hmm. That's probably not hard to make, but or some like alcoholic Gatorade, <laughs> the lemon put... lime Gatorade, because it's the color of a tennis ball, kind of. And that was the one in high school. Now mm-hmm. I like that like frosted glacier one. That one. Oh, the glacier cherry, the like, <sighs> yes, yeah, the white so one. Good. Yes, <laughs> I have little flavor packets of those <laughs> if I like really need more motivation to drink water. Gatorade, I didn't think you could hit it out the park, but. <laughs> Like, you know, Gatorade's something that's been around forever. They have so yeah. many iterations of drinks now. And it's like, how much better are we going to get? Like, it's a drink with electrolytes. Like, but that glacier, 
cherry ice thing. No, it's frosted glacier cherry. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. So Whatever. <laughs> oh my god. You know what's funny is that our snack and cocktail are really similar to each oh. other. So I said this before, but I I called Will Smith a cherry pop and daddy in this movie because of the cherry colored shorts. See. Um, and the color of their Volkswagen bus. I was really feeling the red in this movie. So for me, I'm just going a cherry slush puppy. I'm not the icy with the polar bear, but like the slush puppy with the puppy dog that's wearing the beanie. um, That has like this little bit more crunchy ice. Mm, So good. Um, Or a cherry lime slushy from Sonic. Sonic. (laughs) Fuck me up. Um, and then I said for my food was like country club food or just like basically a, a plate of fries. <laughs> I, I was not expecting that. So touche. Also, I feel like to go with your red theme, another option would be a Bloody Mary. That's a very country club beverage. Ooh, yeah. I don't like Bloody Marys. I mm. have not reached that level of adulthood. <laughs> like I think <laughs> that's an achievement yet to be unlocked by me. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm 30 now, so maybe it's on its way. But savory alcoholic drinks, nah. Um, It's vodka soup. Well, it's like drinking V8, like, to get fucked up. Like, well, I mean, I know people drink Bloody Marys for hangovers, too. But, like, no. Like, I don't want to drink tomatoes. Mm. Like, I'd rather suck on ketchup packets. Like, (laughs) oh. Um, anyways, all right, everybody, thank you for listening to this week's episode and to the people who've stuck with us so far on this very, very long journey because this is this kind of the end. But please come back because we're not done. So there will be another episode of the Compton Tennis Club version of Inside the Actor Studio. But seriously, if you're if you like us enough to stick around, uh, hit another couple balls with us as we take another deep dive down this IMDb rabbit hole. Um, we're going to semi go back in time. We can't talk about Will Smith without talking about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Now we are not going to watch every single episode, but next week. Uh, stick around. Bria and I are going to discuss some of our favorite episodes of The Fresh Prince, um, some of the budding actors and actresses that made their appearances in that show, fashion, all the things that were great about that show. And we will also talk about The Fresh Prince cast reunion that aired in 2020. Yes. So on that note, if you've got nothing better to do, go figure out a theme to watch a bunch of movies or maybe a TV show that you haven't watched in a while. There you go. I'm your host, Simone. Subscribe to this blessed mess. Leave us a like if you're into it. We can't always guarantee that we're going to be a country club level quality stuff, but you know what? We give it our heart and soul. And, you know, this is a, a, a passion project, absolutely. But it's it's something that we are also willing to put in the time and dedication for. Yes, and I'm your host, Bria, and it would be awesome for you to wipe off your tennis racket handle, make sure it's not all sweaty, you know, <laughs> give us a good review, follow us on Roll Call Pod, at, on Roll Call Pod, at Roll Call Pod, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Problematic But Awesome, 
Elon Musk's Twitter. Um, <laughs> I don't know how awesome it shall remain. So I said it before when he was in contention to buy it, but we might have a Tumblr to add to this. <laughs> so hit that reblog button and yeah. follow us. And this has been another episode of Roll Call and Cut. Love all. Ha, ha, ha.